Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever in the ages of all ages, Amen. These four men that carried their friend to Jesus today represent a certain type of Christian. There are many types of Christians in the world today. Uh, there are those who are Christian by name only. There are those who are Christian due to religious obligation. There are those who are Christian because uh, they were born into it, so they have no choice or they're afraid of anything outside of that box. So, and then there are those who, and there are many, of course, other labels, if you want to label them. Not that we're called to label people, but I'm just trying to put a, an idea for us to think about. And then there are the Christians who are Christians in the heart. That their, their whole life, everything they do, everything they think, everything they say, everything they, they plan for, everything they pray for, is constantly around, revolving around, or the center of it is Jesus. The center of it is the will of God, the mind of Christ. What is God's will in this? What is God's will in that? What is God's and so on. These are the type of Christians we consider Christians after God's own heart. Christ-centered Christians. We are called to choose today, if we haven't done that choice yet, we're called to ask ourselves and choose, what type of Christian do I want to be? I mean, I could settle for the, again, just the type of Christian that is, uh, I'm Christian. I, I go to church, or I do such and such, and, uh, and, and that's good. For some people, they feel this is, this is good, but in reality, that will never satisfy. The, the, the soul was never created to live at, at that level. It was always created for greater, for more. So the choice is really ours, as usual. I mean, the Lord constantly calls us to choose. And, um, but He's, he's kind of like trying to encourage us, uh, lead us into triumph in Him by choosing to, to live fully in Him and for Him. Because he knows that's the only way we will be satisfied. Regardless of the call that he has chosen for each and every one of us in this world, if it's not in him, it will not satisfy. If, I'm, if whatever it is, is not in Christ, it will never satisfy. So this term after God's own heart is a term that was used to describe David. You know the story of David and Goliath, King David. Davis, David was considered to be, by the, by the Lord's standard, a man after God's own heart. Because you, you say, well, so David never made mistakes? No, he made plenty of mistakes. Just as I make plenty of mistakes, just as I'm sure a lot of us make plenty of mistakes. But his heart was still after God's own heart. That's why his repentance was not just a, a momentary thing, a once in a while thing, but a constant pursuit in his heart. So these men represent that. And we saw how the Lord tells them today, Son, your sins are forgiven you. He tells this paralytic man, Sons, your sins are forgiven you in Mark chapter 2. But you notice he said so because he saw their faith. 
He saw their heart. He saw what they were doing and why they were doing it. And when he saw what they were doing and what they were, why they were doing it, he healed the man. So it just shows how there's a great power in praying for one another, a great power in caring for one another, a great power in thinking of each other, putting each other before myself. This is the call of the Christian, to live Christ-centered. That just as the Lord Jesus himself said, you know, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the call of the Christian. So I constantly, when I read this passage, I think of these, these four men, and I think to myself, what did they see or witness? I mean, for them to go at great lengths, to carry this, this, this man on a stretcher, all across town to get him through the crowds, through the human traffic in the area, through the heat, through the obstacles, through the weather, through the dust, through whatever, all the way up to the roof of the house to risk their lives falling through with him, killing him and themselves. They went at great lengths. What did they see or what did they witness of the Lord prior to this? This is always a mystery to me, I find. It's, there's something remarkable there. They, they, there was, Jesus was preaching at this time, but before that he had also preached. And it was definitely because of this that they decided to do what they did. They heard him, they saw him, just like the woman that washed his feet, just like the woman that touched the hem of his garment, just like countless and countless and countless others. They saw, they witnessed, they felt, they perceived something which pushed them towards doing such great uh, endeavors or pursuing such a great endeavor to reach the Lord. So it's always amazing to think what their reaction to the Lord's words was. They heard the preaching. Their reaction was amazing. Their reaction said, I don't know, they may have not even had a chance to meet Jesus face to face yet. But they said, we don't know who this man is, but we have to bring our friend to him. I don't know who he is, but we must bring our friend to him. This is, the, again, the, the heart after God's own heart. They saw, they witnessed, they felt, and they desired to pursue something greater than themselves. They knew the most they can do for him for the rest of his life is keep carrying him on a stretcher from town to town, place to place, feeding him, washing him, giving him to drink, and that's all they could do for him. But they met Jesus and they realized, here is the solution. Regardless of the healing, if the healing was going to be physical or strictly strictly emotional or on what other levels they knew they had to pursue the psalm says when you said seek my face my heart said to you your face lord i will seek notice how david says my heart said it's not just lip service it's not just words that are chanted and repeated it's from the heart it says my heart said your face i will seek i'm going to seek you with my whole heart and this is the command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Even in Proverbs, Solomon says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So give me your heart and continually follow. That's a disciple. The disciple constantly looks and, and follows the teacher, follows the master to imitate him. So these four men, again, represent this, and they must have gone through a lot and they remind us today on a practical level as Christians in the 21st century what we need to do to be able to do this because 
It's not like suddenly we wake up one morning and they decide to find a man on a stretcher, pick him up and bring him to church or bring him to the Lord. The gospel is meant for us to read and live and think and consider, how do I take these words and live them this afternoon after liturgy today and live them this afternoon after liturgy today after church and live them tomorrow morning at work or school and live them Tuesday and Wednesday and so on. This is the gospel. The reason for the message is to live it, not just hear it. That's why St. James says, do not be hearers of the word only, deceiving yourselves. St. Gregory of Nazianzus tells us, one has to begin purifying oneself before purifying others. One has to be instructed before instructing. So these men were instructed, they heard, they saw, they witnessed, and then they knew what they had to do for their buddy. Every one of us has that responsibility. I need to constantly work on myself in order to be able to assist others. It's like when you're on the airplane and before they take off and all that security message they give you, the video or the instructions they give you, one of them says, put on your own mask before assisting others. You have to keep connected to Jesus, to the oxygen, to be able to assist others. These four could not have done that unless they had witnessed something great that sustained them to go through everything they had to go through. St. Isaac tells us the path of God is a daily cross. No one has ascended into heaven by means of ease. So once I begin to be instructed in the Lord to decide that I'm going to be his disciple and follow him, I will begin to understand that it's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. But it's definitely going to be worth it in the end. They learned this and they understood that there was going to be obstacles to get him to Jesus, but they said, by any means necessary. And they began to learn to be creative and think outside the box. How do I convince this person to believe in Jesus or to talk to them about Christ? They, they, get, they began to think outside the box. They didn't just preach and walk away. There's also a great practical message that every one of us needs to consider about how they covered their brother. So this man is on a stretcher. It's probably an embarrassment to be carried around on a stretcher across town for everyone to see. But they did not make that the point. The point was we're not trying to expose him, but we're trying to bring him to the Lord. And Abba Beeman tells us, be careful with this. Whenever we cover our brother's sin, God will cover ours. Whenever we tell people about other, our brother's guilt, God will do the same about ours. So again, it's something to, for us to consider. What is it that we do when it comes to one another? It says love will cover a multitude of sins, not expose them. There are some that have gotten into the habit of exposing rather than covering. But the warning is very clear from centuries and centuries and centuries of wisdom. Cover and you will be covered. Expose, you will be exposed somehow because not to damn us but to save us but to save us that's why we're reminded of this Evagrius Ponticus says avoid rebuking your brother's faults lest you be deprived of compassion again from a practical sense we might think this man on a stretcher represents a man on a stretcher but for us today he represents many who are on a spiritual stretcher they are crippled spiritually for various reasons is the goal to constantly rebuke them for their paralysis or to constantly 
try to find ways to elevate them. I mean, think about it. If you're constantly talking to a person about Jesus and they constantly run away from you because every time they see you, you speak to them about Jesus, then there must be something that has to be maybe redesigned in how I speak to them about Jesus. Perhaps I need to begin to live a life in Christ more. I need to repent more on their behalf for them to also one day repent. There are many things we don't know. But the rebuking or the criticizing of others will lead to a loss of compassion. A couple of weeks ago, we saw what the church told us when the Lord was warning about the end times that we live in. He said, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Love will grow cold. The compassion will become a cold one simply because there is a lot more talking about people than talking on behalf of helping praying for, interceding, just like these four men did today. St. Macarius tells us Christians should judge no one, neither an open harlot, nor sinners, nor dissolute people, but should look upon all with simplicity of soul and a pure eye. That pure eye is a gift from above that you pray for. When the eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. When the eye is bad, even the light that is in you will become darkness. Christians should do that. Purity of heart indeed consists in seeing sinful and weak men and having compassion for them and being merciful. Just as these four men did today. They, they had the purity of heart, the simplicity of eye to say, this man is in need of Christ. Let's see how we can bring him to him. Perhaps it might not be you. You might be the prayer portion of this person's salvation. Someone else might be the preaching portion of this man's salvation then someone else might be the person who baptizes this person and leads them to their salvation, and so on. Everyone has a role to play. Sometimes we want to play all the roles, and we end up sabotaging the process. When we, rather than saying, Lord, what would you have me do today? Period. The fathers also tell us to slander is death to the soul. Immediately. As we begin to talk of others or complain of who they are, or what they do, or... The crippled state therein, as this man was on a stretcher, it kills the soul. Try it for yourself. I don't recommend you do, but think about it. The times where you felt spiritually fervent, and then you had a time off with people, or a, just having a cup of coffee with people, and you know the story. Whatever happens that is not edifying to you or the souls you're speaking of, leads to your spiritual death. You dry up, you shrivel up. Almost instantaneously. You may not sense it right away because we're too busy in the middle of the discussion. But we, we sense it later. Isaiah says, if your evil heart is hardened toward your neighbor, you have not yet become mindful of God. Again, a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart is a person that is trying to develop what is the will of the Lord, the mind of God. I cannot have the mind of God while despising the person sitting next to me. Or the person sitting behind me. Or the person sitting at the other church right now praying. And so on. Or the person halfway across the planet. It's not going to work. It doesn't work that way at all. St. John Climacus tells us, Be zealous within your soul, but do not, within your soul, but do not give the slightest sign, sign, word, or hint of it outwardly. So be zealous in your heart about it. Be pious inside before outside before manifesting it outside. And you'll manage this as soon as you stop looking down on your neighbor. He said, it's a direct association. 
as soon as I begin to stop looking down on my neighbor is as soon as I begin to grow in Christ, to be edified in Christ. So the quote on the other side says, never look down on someone unless you're helping them up. If you're going to look down on someone, it's because you're trying to lift them up to Christ or bring them up to a higher level, but not for criticism or rebuke, but out of compassion and the zeal for salvation of every soul. St. Isaacson tells us again, a cruel and merciless heart is never purified. A merciful man is the doctor of his own soul. Because as it were, by a strong wind from his heart, he drives out the darkness of the passions. The merciful heart is the doctor to his own soul. That's why it says in the gospel, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. St. Clement tells us it is to the humble-minded that Christ belongs, not to those who exalt themselves above his flock. These four men were humble-minded, caring to save their brother from whatever, and hoping for the best, and leaving the rest into the hand of God. St. Isaac says, those are aware of God's purpose. So when I begin to look up and look towards lifting my brother and sister and the body of Christ up, when I start doing this and I begin to be aware of God's purpose and who have been held worthy to know His will, when I say, Thy will be done on earth, when I start to actually know what is the mystery of God's will, which is a beautiful thing, you can read it in Ephesians chapter 1. I will die for the sake of sinners in the likeness of the Son of God. I will start to look at everyone around me and I'll remind myself constantly that this person is someone for whom Christ died. Whether they believe in Him or not. That's irrelevant at that point. But I will begin to realize and I will begin to seek the salvation of that soul. As I seek my own salvation. This is the commandment. This, this is what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, all yourself, and your neighbor as yourself. This is what it means. That you desire the person's salvation as much as you desire your own. This is a call for every Christian. St. Paul tells us in Galatians 6, Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. These four men fulfill the law of Christ by bearing their brother up. The law of Christ is what? Love. At the end of the day, this is the law of Christ. To love one another. He says, to love one another as I have loved you. This is the word of the Lord. The strongest people make time to help others even if they are struggling with their own problems. I mean, these four men, I'm sure, had other better things to do than again to carry dead weight across town. But they realize the greater purpose behind carrying him across town. Every one of us has to consider what is it that I'm called to bear with my brothers and sisters. Not just to worry about my own self. Sometimes because I'm so centered or self-centered on my own problems, they really take a long time to get solved. It's almost amazing how when I begin to think of how can I help those around me, that my problems begin to... By the grace of God, by the blessing of love that is going back and forth, begin to be solved. Or the coping mechanism for them begins to get much stronger. Something to consider and, and pray for as well. i leave you with this quote from St. Dorotheus. He says, May the Lord God protect us from the misfortune that comes upon those who trust in themselves. And may He make us worthy to keep to the path of our fathers who have pleased His name. It's a misfortune to trust in myself. St. Paul says, 
that we should trust not in ourselves, but in God who raises in Him, for God who raises the dead. Let's consider that together and pray about it and say, Lord, grant us not to trust in ourselves. Let's imitate these four men who all they had in mind, there's nothing we can do for Him but to bring Him to Jesus. They did not trust in themselves. It's a misfortune to trust in myself. May God grant us to imitate those who have pleased Him by imitating Him, by walking in His footsteps. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.